This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. I'm just saying. I've seen one commentator liken the word many here that Jesus uses to anxious, which I thought was a fascinating rendering of the word. It's this idea that we can come before God almost anxious, like there's a time clock and we need to get to the end of it. Like, will God hear me? Did I use correct terms in my prayer? Is my prayer long enough to be acceptable before God Almighty? It's this idea of anxious prayers. And we can come to him with, in our anxiety, we should. All of us have some of that, I'm sure. But, but it's this kind of this attitude of an anxious prayer, like I have to pray a certain length for God to accept it. And so we just babble like the pagans, Jesus would say. We just keep going. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and this is the Greek translation, the Septuagint, the the word for many words that we see here in Matthew 7 is also used in Proverbs 10.19 in the Old Testament. And this is what Proverbs 10.19 says, and this is how it uses that term. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. As a father of a five-year-old, I know when Sienna comes up to me and is asking me a question that is more than 12 words, I've learned that she usually has ulterior motives. Daddy, I know you're probably not going to like this, but just remember how much you love me and remember that my birthday is only a few days away. I colored the back porch with my paints rainbowed color. I thought that brown was boring and she'll just keep going and going and and going. And mommy said, mommy said, and mommy usually didn't say, transgression is usually very close to her when she's using many words. When, many wor- when words are many, transgression is not lacking, the, the proverb says. But Jesus says, you're praying, listen to me, church, you're praying to a loving father. You don't have to talk him into things. He cares about you more than you care about you, believe it or not. And he has good intentions for his children You don't have to persuade him to care for you or to hear you. He loves you and he's already meeting your needs and he already knows the current needs that you have. Thus, you don't have to convince him of anything. He cares for you and loves you. With that in mind, let's look at the model of prayer this morning. It starts with Father in our new international version, just Father. It would do us all some good in our prayer lives to slow down, take a deep breath, and just 
think on the fatherhood of God and, and realize that we have a father. You have a heavenly father. Do you know that? Have you, have you spent 15 minutes during a day just meditating on that fact that you're not fatherless? You're not an orphan. You have a father in heaven. You may have or have had a difficult relationship with your earthly dad, and I'm sorry for that. And it can be easy to view our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father, and we can easily project that onto our heavenly father. But I want you to know this morning, maybe your earthly dad wasn't near and he looked at you more as a stumbling block to his plans. But you need to know and I need to know that our heavenly father is near to us and he can't stop thinking about us and he does not see us as a stumbling block to his plans. Matter of fact, even though he didn't need to, he, he's called us to join him in his plans and this is how he is going to fulfill his plans through sinful people yet children of his that he has redeemed and bought back at a high price. And he's called us into adoption as sons and daughters. You need to know that is who your father is. Maybe your earthly father was full of himself. You need to know that your heavenly father sent his son Jesus to empty himself so that you and I could be bought with his precious blood. And he pinned his son to the cross and the prophet Isaiah says it pleased him to do so because of the price that was being paid for millions perhaps and millions and millions of people to be bought back because of our sin. This is a big deal, we have a father so we can go before the throne of God with confidence and boldness, yes, in humility, but with confidence and boldness and say, Father, thank you. I adore you. Thank you, God. And we can just tell him and share with him what's on our heart without all of the swagger or obsessing over how unspiritual we are or fear for how we're not going to say the right words or pray the right length. We can just come before our Father because he loves us and he called us and he brought us in. We're not bringing him in. He's already brought us in and brought us near. He is our father. Next in this model of prayer, and that's what it is. This is a model that Jesus is teaching his disciples to use in prayer. Next we see, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Another version interprets this part as your name be honored as holy. Your name be honored as holy. This is a posture of the heart. It's important to know that in Jesus's prayer model here, before we get to any needs we have, and, and don't get me wrong, friends, the needs are important that you have, but before we get to any needs, 
We are to come before God aware of who he is, and we are to orient our heart to his beauty and to his majesty, to his distinctness, to his holiness. We are to posture our hearts and know who we're coming before. But this is one of those things that we may have memorized as a kid, but we simply don't know what it means. I, I heard of a guy who grew up in a Catholic church who the whole time thought that God's name was Howard. Because he, he said, look, man, we say it all the time. We say it every week. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be your name. We say it. No, wrong word. One thing that I think can help us out here is, and I read this, hallowed equals worthy. Worthy is your name. This is a reminder that life isn't simply about me. Sometimes we can rush into prayer and forget that life is about God being glorified. That is the ultimate purpose in life, that he would be made much of. It was John that prayed in John 3.30, Father, would you decrease me and increase yourself? He's worthy of my worship right now. He's worthy of my head being bowed right now. He's worthy of my eyes being closed unless you're praying while you're driving. Don't close your eyes. It's easy to rush into prayer and we can put ourselves in the top spot of our life, but we exist, we must remember, for the glory of God to show to the world how worthy he is, how great he is, how beautiful he is, how majestic he is. Hallowed be your name. I've heard it said that he is not a pinata and prayer is not our whacking stick to get from him what we need for our party. Wednesday night, Helen, Sienna, and I were watching a movie called Yes Day. In this movie, the parents have to say yes for an entire day with certain parameters, of course, to their children. The mother was a, a very good mom who had to say no to her children quite a bit because that's what good parents have to do sometimes when you have kids. But her kids were feeling like no matter what they wanted to do, mom was going to just poop on their party and spoil the fun and say no. And so she got to a place, and so did her husband, where they came up with this idea through another individual that they were going to have one full day of just saying yes to their kids. Once again, with certain parameters, I suggest if you have kids, probably not to watch this with them. Don't watch this movie with them. But here's what I was thinking as God's child as we were watching this hour and 40 minute long movie on heresy. No, I'm kidding. It's a great movie. I'm wanting to posture my heart towards God and to make every day a yes day in my heart as I respond to him and his will. Because I don't simply wanna pray to God, I wanna pray with God. I don't simply wanna pray my own will, I want to have a heart that hungers for the will of God. That I would be saying yes to God in whatever he has planned 
for my life and for my family's life and for this church's life and the direction of this church. You want me to meet with this person, God? Yes, yes, I'm in. God, you want me to join in this new thing you're doing? Yes, I'm in on that. You want me to give my first fruits to you for your mission? Yes, use my resources so that they may bless you and that you may be glorified. Yes, 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 he is worthy. The point of our lives is not getting everything we want in living and dying. It's not the point of our lives. That's not the point of prayer. The point is giving honor to God in making much of who he is. And sometimes God is honored and glorified best when sick people get well. And sometimes he's glorified when we suffer well and then when we die well. Sometimes he's honored best when in response to my heartfelt prayer, he says, no, son, that's not what I'm doing. And as his child, I have to say, not my will, but yours be done. When I feel like people are taken too early and I don't understand the purpose, and you've been there as well, we say, okay, God, not my will but your will be done. Next phrase, your kingdom come, and then some manuscripts also have your will be done. Your kingdom come, and then the NIV stops there and then gives you a footnote. If you got a Bible with, with all those footnotes in the New International Version, then it says many manuscripts, or some manuscripts anyway, have your will be done also. In prayer, we're not pursuing our own agenda on earth, but we're pursuing what God longs to do on earth. In essence, we are asking as his children to join him in his redemptive plan for this world. Your your kingdom come. I heard one person, um, and it was really secondhand through another person saying, maybe it was an old reformer, I'm not sure, but, but the first part of that is a morning prayer your kingdom come. That's what we're praying in the morning perhaps, but by the end of the day and by the evening, we've gotten to a place in our heart where we say, but nevertheless, your will be done. So we're praying your kingdom come, a.m. prayer, p.m. prayer, your will be done. I like that. There's two important reminders here as we're considering this section of prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples. First, we need to pray the word of God. In order to pray the word of God, we have to have a relationship with the word of God, okay? So we have to pray the word of God. It's beautiful to pray the word of God. When we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are in a sense connecting the power of the promises of God that is found in his word with our situations in life. The word of God is how we best know what God wants to do in this world. We wanna ground our prayers in scripture, So when we're reading scripture, we can highlight words or verses that are sticking out to us. This is is a good method if if you're, and I pray you are, before the word of God on a regular basis to even, if you're reading a chapter a day or reading uh, a section a day or two chapters a day, whatever it is, circle, highlight, write notes and margins. And then at the end of your reading, pray some of that scripture that just stood out to you and jumped at you and leaped out into 
your soul and say, I, I wanna pray these words right now, God, and how they may be applying to my life and in my situation. Also, it is important to memorize the word of God. We shared that sometimes in our prayers without even knowing it, we can pray repetitive prayers that we're not even sure what it means. But we pray them because we've, we've heard these prayers for a long time. Bless the hands who prepare this meal. And listen, no condemnation. If, if you pray that and if you even pray that this afternoon for your lunch, great. Uh, no condemnation, but maybe think about praying for the feet as well or the, or the, uh, or the organs as well of the person who made the meal. But one of the ways in which we can get out of the repetitive nature of our prayers, this is the point I wanna make, is when we memorize scripture and we're praying scripture, we are then connecting God's word and God's promises with our situations and sometimes memorizing scriptures can help us to not be so repetitive in our prayers because we're connecting the word of God into our prayers and we're praying the promises of God. Secondly, what we can do is we need to be praying with the leading of the Holy Spirit. This may be a new one for some of us. This is the, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We taught on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit seems like the third person of the Trinity that kind of gets kicked to the corner kick to the side a little bit, but we need to be praying with the leading of the Holy Spirit, okay? And some of you maybe seen this or heard of this or watched videos of this that is just maybe off, and so this can be a tricky one, but the Spirit, you need to know this according to the Word of God. The Spirit knows the deep things of God, the Spirit knows the will of God, the Spirit is responsible for extending God's kingdom on earth, the Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Therefore, we must pray with the leading of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. Minus the Spirit, you have no salvation. Okay? This is the reality. This is where listening is so important in our prayers. Often when we think of praying, we simply think of just coming to God with our laundry list of needs and he wants to hear those, okay? He already knows them, but he wants you to come to him with them. But, but that's not just what prayer is, right? Having a regular rhythm of listening in our prayers is so important. Just listening, being in silence and listening to what God may lay on your heart. God intimately personalizes his counsel to us through the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we need to listen. And during listening prayer, we have to be careful because we can hear things that our own minds conjure up that isn't the Spirit. But when I read verses such as Acts 13.2, and when I read some three dozen texts in Acts where the Holy Spirit speaks, I think to myself, how's that happen? How'd that happen? How did they know? Let's look at Acts 13, 2 here. This is just one of some maybe 36 examples that are found in the book of Acts. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, you wanna become keen to the voice of God? Institute that in your normal lives. Worshiping and fasting. 
While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said, I don't know how that, how that happened, what, what happened there. I, I, do you have to ask yourself the question, how did the Spirit speak there? Did, did they just get together as a group and, and have peace and agreeance on Barnabas and Saul being sent for this mission? Was it audible? Was it just an in, intuition of their heart through prayer and fasting? Did they get an update on their uh, cell phone or their beepers perhaps? Uh, because this was 2,000 years ago, so I think they had the beeper, right? Um, joking. Okay, uh, I don't know how the Holy Spirit spoke here, but he spoke, and they were in agreement, and they had peace. And Barnabas and Saul were called out, and the mission of God advanced because of it. Three dozen times the Holy Spirit speaks in Acts. And there's been many times in my life where the Holy Spirit has spoken, it's been clear as day. No, it's not been audible, but it's been just in prayer where it's so clear on my heart, I need to do this. I need to talk to this person. I need to reach out. And it was the Holy Spirit. When you go before God, perhaps come with this posture, and I shared this just a minute ago. God, I don't simply want to pray to you. I want to pray with you. God, I, I don't simply want to pray at you I wanna join you and pray with you. We know that Jesus is our intercessor. He's praying for us, the book of Hebrews says. I wanna join with you. I wanna join with what your spirit is doing. Next phrase, give us each day our daily bread. This is the progression that we're seeing here. It's important to note that this could be interpreted, um, that there are some very hip, modern interpreters who would say, give us each day our gluten-free bread, daily bread. But I, I don't see any sign of that in the normal scripture. Y'all need to wake up this morning. Come on, man, I'm, it's the best I got. It's been a long week. You may not think to pray like this because we often, maybe all of us, we, we don't really wonder where our next meal is coming from. But the point here is that we develop a posture of dependency on God in thanksgiving for everything for God. From the daily bread that he gives us and allows us to have in our cupboards to our moment by moment breath that he gives us even right now, the breath in our lungs and to our salvation. We thank God for everything that he has given us, even our daily bread, the essence of sin is independence from God, but this phrase goes absolutely the opposite way. It says, give us, not help us to obtain, not assist us, God, but give us. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Give us our daily bread. The phrasing in the original language is referencing today's bread. Today's bread. It's intentionally short-lived. Today's bread. It means day by day we are looking to God as the ultimate source of everything. Not just bread, but everything that we need comes from our Heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. Everything. 
It's important to remember not every request in prayer is spiritual as well. Bread is a physical need. It's a practical need. It's not just a spiritual need. A lot of our requests, listen, they're not always just super high spiritual requests. Sometimes they're practical. It's good. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Philippians 4, 6. says, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything, one version renders it. Pray about everything, letting your request with thanksgiving be made known to God. The point is, what should I look to God for? I look to God for everything. Everything, literally anything I'm worried about, if it's big enough for me to worry about, it's big enough for me to pray about. Everything, if it's big enough for me to worry about, it's important enough for me to pray about. Here's the next phrase, forgive us our sins, and we'll move quickly through these last two. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This could be a whole sermon and this whole prayer and posture of it could be a whole sermon series, so I hate to just breeze over this because this is often a, one that we can forget in our prayers really easy because confession is sometimes awkward even when you're alone with God who is invisible. Confession is hard. Forgive us our sins. This is an easy rhythm in prayer for us to miss. If we're not confessing sin in our lives, it's taking root in our hearts and it's growing. And if sin is growing within us, it is disrupting our relationship with God. That is the reality. Consistent confession of sin in prayer is a mark of a disciple of Christ and a true, growing, abiding disciple in Christ. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Notice this is also in the first person plural. Forgive us, us, our sins, us. It's interesting. I've also realized over time that if you're willing to confess your sin to others, you're probably actively confessing it to God. If you're willing to confess your sins to others, and I'm not saying confess your sins to come up here on stage and confess that you're battling with lying. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm talking others, maybe in your small circle of people who you trust and who are spiritually mature. If you're willing to confess sin with them, you're most likely confessing your sin to God. But oftentimes it's when we keep everything in our hearts hidden from our spouse to our prayer people to our small groups, you're likely keeping it hidden to God. Because if you can confess your sin before God, you probably have the guts to confess it before your closest brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Lastly, and lead us not into temptation. And lead us not into temptation. I wanna be clear here, Jesus is not assuming that God lures people into temptation. James 1.14 
tells us that this is just not the case, but each person is tempted. James 1.14 says, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, but rather this is an acknowledgement that if we are to be led to our own devices, we all will fall into temptation. The person that has let me down more than anyone in life is named John Hines. That's the person who's let me down more than anyone. The Bible says that the natural man does not desire the things of God. Apart from the all-powerful grace of God working within us, we are all sure to fall away. But God. But God. Some of my favorite pastors growing up in Christ are either no longer in ministry or the impact that they once had some years ago has been incredibly tarnished. Some of my favorite pastors. All of them are far better communicators than me. They're probably, and they probably have accomplished 20 times more for the kingdom than I have. But the three men that I can think of that I grew up in Christ listening to all had hard falls from grace. Hard falls. It doesn't matter how gifted you are or how strong you think you may be, if left to our own devices, apart from community and unrepentant sin within our hearts, there I go to, and there you go too. That's the reality, and it's important to note that Jesus prays again here in the first person plural. He doesn't say, don't lead me into temptation, God. But he says, and lead us not into temptation. This is a reminder to pray God's grace over your spouse, pray God's grace over your children, over your grandchildren, over your great-grandchildren, over your friends. Lead us not into temptation. Notice in this model of prayer that we're not the center of it. You see that? We're not the center of our prayer lives. Earlier, we talked about praying the word of God over yourself. Here's a good one, and we'll, we'll conclude with this. I'll go with a quick acronym to close us out. It's a good one to, to have in your back pocket. Memorize this one. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will help you to find a way out so that you can endure it. You will be tempted. If there's blood coursing through your veins and your heart is palpitating, you will be tempted. But when you are tempted, with the Holy Spirit living within you, you will be able to find a way out so that you can stand up underneath it and endure it and take the door that many won't take. Let's conclude with this acronym. ACTS, this was a good one. You probably heard, and there's probably 25,000 prayer acronyms that we can use in our prayer, but this is a good flow that I think comes straight from this prayer in Luke 11. Adoration, start there. Thank you, God, for who you are. God, you are holy. Praise God for who he is. Worship him and acknowledge his greatness. Start there in our prayers. C stands for confession. 
Open up to God, let him know where you've fallen short. We all have areas where we fall short. And I would suggest that we all probably have sin tendencies. So areas that are more normal for us to fall short in. I hope you know them. If not, just talk to your spouse. If you're married, they know your sin tendencies, okay? It's great pillow talk for tonight, okay? Confess, confess your sin before God. If you have a small group, you should. If you have a group of mature Christians around you, also confess your sins one to another. Bible says so that you may be healed. T, Thanksgiving. Thank God for all he's done. Thank him for who he is. Come to him in your heart with a posture of thanks. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all that we have and all that you're doing and all the people that I'm able to communicate with, connect with on a regular basis. And may I be your ambassador. Thank him for all that he's doing and all that he's done and all that he's going to do in faith. And then supplication. Supplication is simply a prayerful, humble request. Give him your request. Let him know what's on your heart. Let him know what situations you're going through. He already knows, but he loves to hear from his children. My, my daughter at school has this, the, the teachers have this account. It's called Seesaw. They have a Seesaw account. Some of y'all with parents, or, or some of y'all parents with kids, you know, the Coopersville schools do this, but they have the seesaw account. I already know what she's doing. Like they post pictures and the teachers are great posting updates on what the kids are doing. I love it. But I don't care about that when I pick up my daughter. I wanna hear from her what she's doing. Like I know the goofy costume guy with the bus like was there that day, but I wanna hear from her. I'm sure he's a great person or maybe it's a gal. It's a great gal, but I wanna actually hear from her how her experience on that bus with the costume person was, right? So I already got the picture, I already got the update from the teachers, but when I pick up my daughter from school at about 3.30, or I put her to bed at night at about 8.30, I wanna hear from her how that experience was. God already knows what's going on in your life. He wants to hear from you though. He loves you cares about you, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplications, prayerful, humble request. And let, let me give you an encouragement here. There are times where I can kind of keep prayer just personalized and keep prayer private and not, for instance, pray over my, over my wife. Like literally say, honey, can I pray over you? There are times where I can go in seasons and not do that. And I thank the Lord for my wife because there's been probably two times a week in recent, recent year that I can recall where it feels like two times a week she's saying, honey, can you just pray over me right now? It's like pray over me. And I'm thinking, I should have thought of that, darn it. But yes, yes, I would love to pray over you. Spouses, listen to me. Sometimes, just ask. And I have to ask her, honey, will you just pray over me? Will you just pray over me? 
There's something so intimate and beautiful about that in our relationships. And listen, my heart goes out to some of y'all because some of y'all never had that in your relationships. And some of y'all have been praying, whether it's your husband or your wife, you've been praying for your spouse that you would have that. And some of y'all are hurting right now because you don't have that. You wish you had that. Do I just want to meet you in that? and say, I, I, I'm sorry, like, I know that must hurt. But some of us have that, where we have a spouse who's, who's a believer and a praying spouse, and, and you need to leverage that, because there are certain people in this room today or watching online who would, who would give, give their left kidney for that. See, the organ thing came back up again, right? So we need to be praying over our spouses, okay? Out loud. Let the devil hear it. Let him know your love for your spouse. and Let him know where you stand. Okay? Whatever you do, I'll just close with this. Pour your heart out before God privately and pour your heart out with God, to God, with others. Okay? We're going to be entering into a prayer series called The Power of Prayer starting in July. We're gonna be talking more about this and we're gonna have even different speakers up here as well sharing on this. Um, So I I want you to just know this. If you leave here with anything, whatever you do, it's messed up. So if you have ax flipped around and it's more like uh, stucca and it's like you do supplication first, Thanksgiving, confession in a row, who cares, okay? I think the progression is important because I think Jesus had a progression to his disciples, for his disciples purposefully. I don't think anything that Jesus says is out of order or it's like, yeah, do whatever you want. But as long as you're pouring your heart out to God, know you're starting somewhere and there's grace for you and praise God. Pour your heart out to God privately. Pour your heart out to God with others as well. Let's pray. Father, this is, is one of those messages that could probably be four sentences long and it would be enough for us to just work on this week and it could probably be four hours long and and it would still um, be something that we could work on for just this week or this year or in our entire lifetime. There is so much room here for growth for every individual. I pray that we would come before you with grace, understanding that you are a God who loves his children. You are a father who loves his family. And you are a God who meets us in the gap. You know how imperfect we are. You know how we struggle. You know the hair that falls out of our head before it even falls out of our head. And you know the number of them. So God, we we just pray that we would have an intimate relationship with you, and we would have such an intimate relationship with you in prayer. May we have healthy rhythms of prayer throughout our days, weeks, and months, and with our family as well. God, we love you, and we thank you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen.